0: Council of
1: Nerds. Magic, potions, owls, and a strange young boy with the worst aunt and uncle in the world. You got it right. We're talking about Harry Potter today. As always, my name is Brian. I'm joined by my co-hosts Logan and Dan today. Um, We're going to be talking about, as I said, Harry Potter. Redundancy is always important. Uh, For the next seven episodes, we're going to be going over each of the Harry Potter books and movies in turn, and just talk about our favorite moments from those movies and books and our impressions, and we want to go a little bit deeper into them individually, so that's what we're going to be doing for the next little while. So, for the first one, as people know, is the Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone, depending on, you know, your geographical location. Um, Let's just get started. Uh, For me, this... uh, Kind of eventually started a lot of my nerdiness, um, but wasn't exactly the best impression on me as, as a movie. Um, and I didn't even read the books till I was in my 20s. I know. Shameful. Shameful. Oh, my gosh. Shame. Crime.
0: Shame. <laughs> so, also, same.
1: Hey, I'm not alone. <laughs> wow. Um, but uh, it's definitely interesting to look into this book slash movie and all the references that come up later on in the series and how much was uh put up front for us to build off of in the future um so for the first topic of discussion did you guys like it or did you not like when you first saw the movie or when you first read the book like were you grabbed right away or was it like me where i was like okay cool thanks for making me go see this movie mom i'm gonna go watch transformers or whatever (laughs)
2: Um, I know for me, I was grabbed right away, but I have a different experience with it from you guys. Um, I think I read the books in elementary school, and actually growing up, um, my mom, she would read the books to us every night as we were going to sleep. We'd all gather in her room, she'd read them, she'd do all her voices and stuff, Um, and then for the movies she'd take us out of school early on the day they came out so we could go see him. And so no I've always just had like, yeah, I know. I've always just had like this fascination with Harry Potter. Cause I'm like, it got me out of school. It's what I went to sleep as, as a kid. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, like it's cool, but like, I think no matter when you become a fan of Harry Potter, it's cool. If you don't become a fan of Harry Potter, that's like, yeah, you know, weird. yeah, everyone's entitled to their opinion, even
0: if you're wrong.
1: Well, even if you're wrong, <laughs> it's true. Logan, what were yeah, your versions? I,
0: re- I don't really remember. Honestly, I mean, like I do, but I don't. I remember seeing it for the first time, um, and I believe I loved it. Uh, I think because it came out in like the fall time, and my birthday's in the fall, and so I think that birthday i got like all those original harry potter like action figures and stuff um which were super cool like i remember i got like the troll um i got harry i got malfoy i got a bunch i got everyone um yeah so i i loved it i thought i i loved it and i think it was cool just because That wasn't, like, my introduction to a nerdy thing. I think I saw Lord of the Rings first. Mm -hmm. Um, But Harry Potter opened up a more relatable world for me because, I mean, I was six or something like that, six years old. So, I mean, I wasn't 11, but I was still, you know, it was more relatable to, like, get into Harry Potter as, like, a normal kid in a normal world where there's just, like, this other wizarding world. So I think that's why, you know, I liked that so much more. It was more fun. I never read the books as a kid. I didn't – my mom didn't read me the books. Um, I just never had a desire. I just didn't like reading that much. I still kind of don't. And I actually read it for the first time, like, three years ago. Um, But I listened to it over audiobook because – it's more fun.
1: I was going to say honesty moment. I've never actually read them. I've listened to yeah. the dulcet tones of Jim Dale. Oh, yep. Amazing man. But uh, if I read want... like the uh,
0: last chapter of the last book once. <laughs> <laughs> this one. Time.
2: Just to know how it ends.
0: Yeah. I was like, oh, I want to know the difference between the movie and the book. So I read the last chapter. So, Well, there you go.
1: Well, Dan, apparently you're the only one with a good mom. Um, just kidding mom if you listen to this uh, what not yeah. nope, my mom's a saint lovely people all the way around um, <laughs> but uh, Dan I guess this is going to be a more poignant question for you because I wasn't able to do this until after I listened to um, the books and rewatched the movies but going from a kid who listened to the books all the time and then you finally watched the movie what moment for you in the movie seemed to be like that's exactly what I thought of when I heard the books. Like, do you have a scene that like, Oh, that's perfect. That's exactly what I thought of as a kid. Or did you have that experience at all?
2: Um, it's hard looking back and trying to remember like how little six, seven, whatever, however old I was, me pictured the Harry Potter movies. Um, but I think something that like, I can remember, I don't remember specifics, but I remember I would watch the movie, especially the first one when I was little, and I was never really disappointed in it. Um, Hmm. Because, you know, you always imagine this magical world, and I think the movie did a great job of, like, capturing the atmosphere of that. Um, My biggest complaint, gripe, this is across all the Harry Potter movies, is that they didn't include peeves, because little six-year-old me, you know, there's this poltergeist running around pulling pranks on everyone i was like yeah he's my hero he's my favorite one um yeah but yeah i've i've just always loved the movies um they've always made an impression i think you know actually i think my favorite thing was hagrid seeing this guy who's supposed to be twice the height of everyone else and then on film they somehow make it happen and it looks normal especially for a movie that was made in the early 2000s like It doesn't look weird. It doesn't look janky. Like, it looks like, oh, that guy's actually, you know, 12 feet tall or something.
1: Yeah.
0: I think that's good to point out, too. Like, that movie came out a long time ago, but it still totally holds up. You know what I mean? Like, that, even though it's, you know, has its differences from the books, um, and, like, it's early 2000s, so, like, getting some of, like, the CGI stuff going or whatever, it was all new but it totally holds up. And I think that's that's why I think that movie is so good is because, I mean, to this day, even as an adult, you know, I like the later movies and stuff, but that first one is just so good. It's like that magical moment of Harry becoming a wizard and learning about all the wizarding stuff and getting into it. I think that's super fun.
1: Yeah, I think the book does, You know, of course, the movie doesn't have as much time to go into some of this stuff, but the book does a fantastic job at explaining even the smallest facets like how their currency works like (laughs) yeah like okay thanks for 17 sickles for a galleon i guess that's like (laughs) i don't need to know that but thanks for letting me know um it's it's interesting because jk rowling when she was trying to get just the first book published she had to go to like tons of different places to try to get it published and she had people telling her that this would never be successful this would never be anything and now she's the like I think she's the wealthiest author ever now. Question she's richer than
0: the Queen of England. Wow, is she uh, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, pretty impressive. I read that once.
1: <laughs> um, you know, and I I think if it wasn't for her tenacity to get that done and to keep going and never giving up on her thing, I think that ends up bleeding into some of the work with the books and stuff of, you know never giving up on things and, and Harry keeping going forward and a lot of characters that just persevere through a lot of different things that happen in the books but um, well Dan you may not have remembered what your kid self felt like but what about your adult self or what did all of us, As a question for all of us favorite scene from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Ooh. Stone I
0: gotta think about that one <laughs> um,
2: I've, I've known my favorite scene, this is like something recently because it's definitely not the same as it was when I was a kid Um I think, strangely, one of my favorite people in the first book is Neville Longbottom. You know, as a kid, I thought, this guy's so annoying. Just let him go to the Chamber of Secrets. Let him do this. Like, why are you, not Chamber of Secrets, sorry. Let him go um, into Find the Sorcerer's Stone, whatever like that gauntlet is called. Let him do that. And he blocks him. And I think my favorite scene Um, now at least, is when it gets to the end of the movie and Dumbledore's awarding points, and he's like, Harry, you're amazing. Here's a million points. Harry, or Hermione, you're amazing. Here's a million points. Ron, good job. Here's 20 points. And then he's like, uh, he goes on to Neville, you know? And he's talking about, you know, how it takes courage to stand up to people. It takes more courage to stand up to your friends. And that part, like, always hits me, like, really, really hard because I'm like, that's really true, like, Even though, you know, Harry, Hermione, and Ron did all this stuff, like they were fighting someone who's black and white, an evil person. Meanwhile, Neville was like, This is right, but these are, you know, people who are like my friends, air quotes. They didn't treat him like a friend, but he stood up to them.
0: Are you going to cry?
2: No. Maybe. (laughs) No, I have in the past, though, at that scene. Yeah, I, yeah, I do. I've cried in the past to that scene. It's just so you have, awesome. You
0: have quote unquote friends. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: uh, I think, I think that I mean, that's awesome. I I think it's interesting that your your point of view changes as you get older. It's like when you're a kid, you think, "Oh, that part with the troll was cool because there was a troll," or yeah. when the dragon hiccuped and lit Hagrid's beard on fire, like cool. <laughs> but I think it's the same for me. I think so the reason I like this particular scene is because for me I was able to go listen to the books and then come back and and rewatch it f- trying from the perspective of how did this translate from the books but the moment that the kids are on the boats and they finally get like that shot of Hogwarts that Damn. like for yeah. me just set up everything it was and I, I, you could feel it for the characters as well. It's like, hey, you're, you're not in Kansas anymore. You know, it's like you, yeah. are, you are part of this world now. You are no longer wherever you were before. Nothing matters. What matters now is you're here in this amazing place. And I think in a sense, that's the jumping point for most of the movies to transport you to a happier time, not only for Harry, but for a lot of the characters. Speaking of yeah. Neville in particular he's got an overbearing mother and or grandmother and two parents that you know are not there you know we'll get into that (laughs) in a later episode but he's got a lot of things that he struggles with at home I'm sure things that none of us could really fathom and um, for him he's able to escape and yeah he's still made fun of and he's still scared of Professor Snape and all these other little quirky things about Neville but he also has his, his friends that I think if it wasn't for that scene that Dan talked about where he stands up to them at the end of the first movie, I don't think they would have respected him as much as they came to in the end. Yeah. And I think that was an interesting jumping point for him. I have a backup favorite scene, but I won't, I won't talk about that one. But <laughs> Logan, what was
0: yours? Oh, well, first I want to say, like, along with yours, like the the boat scene of them going into Hogwarts, you know, and like how important that is for those characters and stuff. Like, I would say it's pretty important for the audience, too. I think as a kid and even now when I watch that movie and it's that first moment of them seeing Hogwarts, like seeing the castle and going in on the boats, it's kind of like, you know, them, they're going into this new world, but, like, so is the audience. And I think it's just kind of cool, you know, it brings the audience with these students into the school for the first time. It's pretty magical. Um, But for me my favorite scene and I honestly don't remember my favorite scene as a kid but as an adult my favorite scene is um, when Harry gets his wand at Ollivander's and I think the reason I love that scene so much is just Ollivander like him alone is just such a cool character to me I think like wand lore and wands and like that whole aspect of this wizarding world is super cool to me Um, and then, you know, they, they try those first two wands and they don't work out. And, you know, Harry's completely new to this. And I love when he's like, well, give it a wave. Like, he's like, yeah, like Harry would know, you know, he's grown up, but at the same time, it's like, people don't know that they don't know. He's been suppressed by all these muggles his whole life and stuff. He doesn't know anything about it. But the speech that Vander gives after Harry gets his wand about, how you know the the phoenix feather that resides in his wand is the same as as he who must not be named um i think that's really cool i think that whole speech it gives me the chills mm-hmm. it's just a a fun little thing that's just like totally setting up harry's destiny in some way you know like it's it's almost weird i was when i i watched the movie last night and um when he does that i, I was like it's kind of weird that olivander seems to know like more about harry's destiny and harry's life like his future life than anyone at that moment like that phoenix feather that resides in the wand told olivander so much i just think it's just a such like a important moment for everything i think it's overlooked though you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i feel like um it seems like oh yeah he's getting his wand it's super cool little speech about how you know the the core of the wands are the same but I feel like it's way more important than than people think, and I just I think that's why I love it. I love how important that is and how just cool. Uh, it is.
1: That scene. That, spoiler alert. That was my backup favorite scene. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I think that scene does a lot of things for the future continuity of what Harry Potter is. It gives Harry. Yeah. It gives Harry his first tangible experience of him being special. Right. Like that's the first moment where he went. Wow, I am not that kid that lives under a staircase. I'm um, special, and then from a from a cinematics uh, point of view, it also showed the acting potential that was in the cast. Like yeah. that is that's that little monologue is delivered so amazingly that no matter how many times i watch it like logan said i get the chills just him talking about it i'm playing it in my head and i get the chills like
0: yeah
1: it's it's incredible i it's well and then
0: and then like when you go to harry potter world you know in universal studios and you go to olivander's and you do that little whole the thing with the the actor there you know who usually ends up choosing a little kid, even though you want to do it. And that's cool. It's fine. I wasn't hurt. Um, but like, you know what I mean? Like even just being there, even though I wasn't chosen and stuff, like it was still so cool. Like I was like, oh my gosh, like am I Harry Potter? Cause like, this is cool. You know, yeah. like I, you just relate so much to the movies and I, I, I love that. It's super fun.
1: Not to diverge from Harry Potter, but I feel like that's the difference for me between Harry Potter land and Star Wars land at Disneyland is that I don't, For me, when I went there, there wasn't something that made me feel like I was super part of Star Wars. Like, it was cool, and I liked a lot of the stuff. But the stuff at Harry Potter Land in Universal, in Hogsmeade Village, like, I could point that stuff out, and I was like, I'm there. The music is playing the whole time. Uh, There's little interactive things you can do throughout the entire time you're there. and, And that aspect of it made me feel like I was finally a part of this world that I've been dying to be a part of
0: for so yeah. long Um oh. I, I will say hold on sorry i will say with that though like i think the main reason for that is because i feel like harry potter is more relatable you know like it's mm-hmm. on our planet mm-hmm. it's you know humans for the most part it's just humans and they dress like us in some way and like the movies really brought that for us right they dress like normal people well they dress like hipsters and they throw on their rubs every once in a while but like you know going to hogsmeade and stuff they're just normal wizard people and so like going to harry potter world you just kind of feel like you're a part of it because you basically already are one of them but at star wars land i mean i've never been there but you know everything's so different you're supposed to be out of this world out of this galaxy and everything and so it's like a it's i would say it's totally different i mean i again i haven't been but I can see where you're coming from on that one.
1: Well, this brings me to uh, two interesting fan theories. Mm. Here we go. And if you guys have any, if we get to a talking point that makes you think of a fan theory that you know or you've thought of or you've heard of in the past, please stop me at any time. Uh, The first one um, is the mental break theory. Are you guys familiar with this one?
2: No. I might be.
1: So it, the theory goes is th- that Harry was abused and neglected and all of that to the point where he had a psychotic break and he imagined the entire world.
0: <laughs> he's psycho. He's a, like that's the theory right. basically. He's basically a he, yeah. basically he's in basically
1: he's in a psych ward and he's just imagining that he's this awesome wizard
0: so that he's, is he is he a psycho, like, in the real time, he's a psycho, is he a kid, or is he an adult imagining same, all this? Same age. he's imagining to be no, a
1: kid? Same age, it's just as a result of the abuse and neglect, he has a psychotic break, and then he becomes the boy who lived. Like, he had to have something, <laughs> and so his brain just protected him, gave him this shell. It's actually
0: super funny. <laughs> like, it's super sad, like, if you think about that. Yeah, but... I'm laughing.
2: <laughs> yeah. I've a uh, I've definitely heard that one before, but
0: I've never heard that. That's let me
2: let me counter that, you guys. Let me Ooh. <clears throat> You guys ever yes. think about how um uh, Petunia ended up so different from her sister? She's mm-hmm. super angry all the time. All the Dursleys are just horrible, rude oh, people, yeah. right?
1: Right. Right.
2: Um, if you think about it, I'm, I'm jumping ahead a few books, but I promise it ties in. Spoiler alert. If you think about it, yeah, spoiler alert. Last book, they got a <laughs> Horcrux, right? And they got the little pendant. Um, wow. You know what happens to Ron, right? Right. He goes kind of crazy. He goes from like this really nice dude who likes candy, who likes frogs, who, you know, plays sports, <laughs> you know, has fun, into oh, this super rad. horrible douchebag because he had a Horcrux living with him. And the theory is that Harry's a Horcrux too, and that's why the Dursleys are horrible people because Horcruxes influence people around them, and so they were influenced by the part of Voldemort's soul that lived within Harry to be horrible, evil people.
1: Yeah, heard that one. I like that one actually a lot because in some ways it humanizes the Dursleys for me and gives them. Again, it gives them an excuse, but like at the same time, I want them to have one because I don't want them to think they're that evil.
0: Uh, yeah, because like for me, like, what's why are they so mean? You know what I mean? Like, what's the point? Why are you so mean to an eleven-year-old kid? Right. For no reason, and it's like, when he was a baby, where you were, you like bullying him as a baby. Like, I'm not gonna feed him milk today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, only Dudley gets you gets your portion. That's why he's so fat when he's older. But like, I just never got that. So that would be a good theory because they. They're so mean for no reason.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't seem like anyone... What surprises me through the continuity of Harry Potter is that no one notices the abuse of Harry, like, in the neighborhood. And I get it. It's like, ignore your neighbors. It doesn't happen. It happens in the real world all the time where people ignore things like that. But that's always kind of bugged me. It's like, come on. Like, come on. You know something weird's happening. There's a kid you see, like, every once in a while, and he looks very different than everybody else in the family. (laughs) Um... Well, look at that. We had to, a counterpoint. I have one other fan theory. This one actually is very interesting to me. Um, talking.
0: I, to, I have one too. So it, maybe it's the same one, but I. I all right. Well, here you go one. with That's yours. Really I've cool. already said one,
1: so you go ahead.
0: Okay, so the one I heard, I don't know too much about it. I've just read like you know a surface level of it, um, and this is like. It's not really within the movies. Kind of, I guess it's kind of the same thing as yours, but um, it's that. George is the one that, spoiler alert, George is the one that um, continues on in life, correct? Correct. Okay, so George, it, the theory is that George is, uh, grows up to be Willy Wonka. Yes,
1: I. I not, yeah. the, not the one I was thinking of, but I love this one.
0: Okay, this theory is so cool to me. <laughs> so, because, like, the theory is, if you've seen at least the original um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory uh, with, uh, what's that guy's name, Gene Wilder? Yep um from is that the 70s uh yeah, he them, yeah. yeah so like Willy Wonka in that movie um every he he's always like hard of hearing um his uh office everything is like in half like mm-hmm. everything like if you hit for example if he had like a lamp it would be just half of a lamp but it would still work um he has you know that factory's totally magical you know the stuff he's doing and there's in a way magical Uh, He keeps everything secret, Um, you know, just like all these things. And and it relates to like everything being half in his office is because um, Fred died. And so it's like half of George is gone in a way, you know, it's like half of him is gone. And so everything in his office is half. Um, And he, you know, he's missing his ear. Mm-hmm. which is also like a half being gone, but also his hard of hearing. And so I, I think that theory is really, I don't know if you know more about it, Brian, but oh, yeah. I think that theory is pretty Part good. Part
1: of it is, you know, he's a prankster and literally the oh, entire yeah. the entire operation of bringing these kids in, he ends up pulling pranks on every single one of them. Like right. one kid gets sucked up into a tube of chocolate. That's not cool, but it's something <laughs> that George would think was funny. Like, yeah. uh, I've also heard that the Oompa Loompas are actually just goblins that he's transfigured. And has gotten them to work for him, oh. and like you know, it, it goes kind of in depth. It's it's sad if you think about it that he feels like he's really so sad. so lost that he's missed so much of himself that he can't have a whole of anything, that everything yeah. he, he owns has to be in halved. Uh,
0: but I mean, that's how twins work. My yeah. I I'm not a twin. My two of my brothers are they're twins. They're identical twins, and like that's how they work. You know, like they're twins are weird. I'll say it. I know he listens <laughs> to the podcast and friend. he'll get mad, but. <laughs> But I mean, like they're they're weird, like the way they i don't want to say communicate, but in a way, yeah, the way they communicate is weird, it's With almost their, creepy,
1: they're twin antennas that they just
0: yeah, and they're um and then also just like the bond between twins is just so crazy it's it's really intense, yeah. and so i it's understandable, you know like if Fred you know you see it in the in the movie too, you know like when. He loses his brother it's terrifyingly it's sad devastating you know? yeah, it, yeah. I,
1: that's one thing i won't get into that this too much but that's one thing i think right. that the last movie didn't handle as much is how devastating that was
0: yeah know? that should have been handled differently
1: but anyway for the last fan theory that i think we'll go over and then we'll move on to another subject going back to the boat scene we know in subsequent years going forward that all of the students are transported to the school via the carriages that we later find out in book five that are pulled by yes. Thestrals, correct?
0: It is book mm-hmm. five, yes.
1: Um, so it stands to reason somewhat that if every other year the students are transported by a creature to the castle that in their first year they're transported by a creature as well if you think about it all hagrid does is he gets into the head boat, and he says forward now what we know about hagrid is he doesn't have a lot of magical ability he wouldn't have the magical prowess or the permission at that point to propel all those boats across the, the lake but there is a particular creature that is only mentioned in the books that lives in the lake that would have the capacity to bring the boats across that Hagrid could have trained to transport the students. Any guesses?
0: I forgot the name of the creature. Giant squid?
1: The giant squid. If you think about it, I think it's in book four. Colin Creevy's younger brother, can't remember his name, falls out of the boat in his first year as he's coming across and the tentacle of the giant squid immediately puts him back in the boat. Now that could just be crazy random happenstance or if you go with the theory the squid's already there and he's just putting the kid back in the boat and he pulls it along like he was doing the whole other time. I it's something that what's interesting is that the squid is one of the first things that JK Rowling ever came up with. There's a concept book that was sold at an auction and one of the first things that she ever wrote up was that there was a giant squid in the lake next to Hogwarts. And so yes. it seemed like it was something that was important to her, and then it just kind of never came to much. Like, kids just kind of fed it bread in random moments in the book and stuff like that. But <laughs> I thought it was a very interesting theory of these students are always transported by magical creatures that you can't see, like, whether like unless it's certain circumstances. Thestrals, unless you've seen the dead, you can't see them. And the squid at night, hard to see probably under the water. I thought it was an interesting right. theory. When I first heard it, I was a bit floored, but... I thought it was
0: cool. well, that also for me raises the question why like why are they always uh, brought to school by these creatures that they can't see why why does that matter why can't they see them all the time you know what i mean
1: oh, that's an interesting thought maybe they maybe there's an aspect of trust for the students if you think about it you're being transported by things that you can't see and then you know there's magic but on your first year You know, you have very little exposure to magic for some of the students. Maybe it's a trust thing. I don't know. It's an interesting thought. Hmm.
2: I think maybe because, you know, Hagrid, he's not allowed to practice magic, right? Right. I mean, he does it anyway um, throughout the books, but not really to an extent. Um, And so, like, I feel like these magical creatures are like, we know Hagrid had that obsession when he was younger, but especially since losing his wand these magical creatures are like the only way that he can legally like influence with magic now is through fluffy the three-headed dog or through dragons or through thestrals or through the um you what were we it. just talking about Giant squid. squid giant squid there we go oh <laughs> my gosh it's like <laughs> it's like uh those are his only like real ties of influence with the uh wizarding world and so like he likes to use those a lot cuz I mean we can see you know especially with Filch too. him being spoiler alert you know not the most magically gifted at all like <laughs> the squid. he's willing to take a crap job at the school where all he does is clean up after these magical incidents have magic rubbed in his face just so he can be surrounded by magic and so I think it's like Hagrid's way to like still be a part of the world is to use these animals these magical creatures to bring the kids into school for some of them it's their first introduction, you know, to magic. Like, Harry, you know, he'd done a little bit of magic, but, like, his first real thing was, like, being pulled across the boat, and, you know, in this magical way. Hmm. So those are my thoughts. Um, a lot more than I thought I was going to share when I started talking. but.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, there goes the fan theories for the for the episode. Um, That's cool. I don't know. I don't. I can't necessarily remember where I've heard most of them. I didn't come up with any of them on my own. So if anyone out there thinks that I'm a genius, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> um, I can vouch for that. <laughs> thank yeah, you. we know. We know. Thank you. All right, let's move on to the next point I have here. Um, I want to know what your guys' favorite line, either from the book, if it's only in the book. Or that was shared in the movies. I know at least for the first two movies, the f- movies follow pretty, pretty close to the lines in the book, and then it deviates a little bit, a little bit further on with those yeah. other movies. Um, but uh, Logan, what's your favorite line from the Sorcerer's Slash Philosopher's
0: Stone? Um, it's weird. I don't remember many lines from the books. I remember, like, okay, it it depends on the book. This book, I don't remember any lines specifically from the book. Um, But movie, I would say... Do we have to do it in a British accent? I'll do it in a British accent. (laughs) I'm going to do it in a British accent. I like the... uh, It's Ronald Billius Weasley's line. Nice Um, nice middle name. Thank you. And it goes, Not me. Not Hermione, you. And I think that's funny. <laughs> you just think it's funny? Like... I just think it's funny. I think he's, it's just like, I don't know, I have a hard time taking 11-year-old kids serious sometimes. And that's like a super serious situation. And this little kid, I just feel like he they're way too mature for 11-year-olds. Maybe that's because I'm super immature as a 25-year-old. But I would just think, you know, he would be like, no, Harry, you need to go. Right. But instead he's like, not me, not Hermione, you. <laughs> and he's like riding this stone horse, and I just think that's funny. <laughs> right. I don't know. I, I don't, that's the one that's just always stuck out to me. All those like dumb lines, you know, like just, you know, Neville's lines are always funny to me. He's like one-liners, and um, even, especially in the first one, Hermione's one-liners are golden but that's, that one sticks that's out the true. most. That's true. Yeah. Uh,
1: for me, I, I have a few, so I might say one or two. Um, we've kind of covered one that, I'll, like, I love the whole monologue that Olavander goes over. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. We've covered that. Um, but there's two lines that, one I find hilarious, and one I think is really interesting for the story itself. But the one I find hilarious is when McGonagall gives Harry and Ron five points for defeating the troll. Which, by the way, you should get more than five points each when you just basically told them that, like, you probably should have died. But here's five points. Like, what? I don't care if it's luck. Give them the points. And I love when she just goes, for sheer dumb luck. And she, like, just the way she says it is so funny. That was so
0: good. You would do a great McGonagall, It was
1: so funny like that has always in the way that she accents the k on the end of luck it's just it's amazing it's very much like mcgonagall and that dude so that's so always made me laugh
0: that that line it that, that's funny that you point out how she says it because um for some reason every time she says that line uh when was the last time you guys saw uh the disney's animated robin hood with all the animals oh, oh i my watched gosh. it like
1: maybe two weeks ago okay so you it. know that
0: you know one the time. chicken you know the chicken though yeah like, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, made made marion's chicken dude that every time McGonagall says that line i instantly think, think of, the of the chicken because that's how she talks all the time and i don't know <laughs> that's like the weirdest that connection is such a but...
1: strange reference but i love it <laughs> um yeah my the other one that i love the other line that i love is dear alan rickman may you rest in peace pour one out for the rip honey. Uh, when he, your first introduction to him speaking and he walks in, he says, there will be no foolish wand waving or silly incantations in this class. And you're like, okay, okay, okay. This guy's not messing around. Like you instantly know that this guy means business. And then what I think is interesting is subsequently he starts going on about what, how cool potions are, which I am going to be honest, if I was going to wizarding school probably would be the last thing that I would consider to be an interesting subject. It's not a judgment call on anybody. It's just, I don't, I can, I can make a potion on a stove as a muggle. It's called poison. Like, it's not like, but it's true. Harry's trying to take notes. Like he's taking notes of what Snape says. He gives the initial reaction of Harry to Snape is that Harry thinks I should respect this man. He's a teacher. I should listen to what he has to say. I should take right. down all these notes. It sounds important. And he gets in trouble for that. And I think Snape, with his history with Harry's father, spoiler alert, and mother, um, has just automatically written this kid off that he's going to be a pain. He's going to be his father that he didn't get along with. And so instead of you know, what could have been a, an entire school history of Harry liking potions... He hates it instantly because Snape just comes out the gut, the gate with his fists raised. And I think it's interesting that Harry's initial reaction to potions is, I want to learn. I'm going to take notes. And then he gets just gutted by Professor Snape. So I think that's kind of an interesting uh, turning point and the starting point, really, of their relationship. But I think it ruins uh, Harry for potions for the rest of his career in school. He sucked at potions, didn't he? Well, if you had someone you hated teaching your class... I remember hating teachers in high school. I never did good in the classes of the teachers I didn't like. That's true. I just didn't even want to go to class. So I usually But, I mean, didn't... Harry... <laughs> do, you,
0: do you think Harry would have chosen a different route, career-wise, if, if he liked potions?
1: No, I don't think so, but I think he would have done better on his owl. I think he might have... That's true. I think he might have... <laughs> Tried harder in the class itself and learned more, so that by the time he gets to book six, he's not just using Snape's scroll. Spoiler alert! Uh, Snape's notes to uh, right, get right. by. I think we should. You know, how many times have we said spoiler alert in this episode? Um,
0: We're gonna be saying a lot of spoilers in the next seven episodes, except for the seventh episode. Actually, that one won't be as much of a spoiler. <laughs> we'll know everything so. at That's that. That's true. Point, so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, Dan. It's on to you, my friend. Favorite line.
2: Um. So my favorite line, I already said it. It's the one, you know, a great deal of bravery to stamp to our enemies, but just as much stamp to our friends, so I'm not gonna reuse that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I I was I've been listening to the audiobooks during my job. I drive around a lot, so I have a lot of time to listen to audiobooks and it always every time I listen to the books, I'm always blown away by how funny Fred and George are. Like they're mm-hmm. funny in the movies, but like in the books they they're just like the perfect amount of wit and everything. They and
1: so they do. Yeah.
2: That's actually one of my favorite lines. Um, but I think my favorite one from them, that's, I think it's left out of the movie. Maybe it's in like an extended edition, but it's Christmas. They all get their sweaters. Harry puts his on. Ron doesn't want to put his on and in walks Fred and George. Um, and they're like, you haven't got a letter on yours. I suppose she thinks you don't forgot forget your name, but we're not stupid. We know we're called Gred and Forge. And I just thought (laughs) that was so funny. Like, (laughs) like it's so stupid, but like they just do that all the time. They just make those stupid one-liners. And I think like, especially reading that as a kid, you know, having like that dumb humor, I was like, I like that a lot. And so I feel like that influenced me a lot. But uh, yeah, the toilet one is, is great too. There's just so many good lines. Yeah, there's so many good lines, like, Dumbledore's socks and everything, talking about, like, that's mm. his
0: greatest desire. Mm-hmm. Dude, speaking of, um, Friend George, though, another great line that's in both the movies and the books, <clears throat> sorry, movie and book, is, um, right before they go through the the pillar at, um, King's Cross Station, not for Platform 9 and 3 quarters, and, um, they, like, try and confuse their mom yeah. on who they are. And then they're just like, honestly, woman, you call yourself our mother. I think that <laughs> one's hilarious. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm only joking. I am, Fred. Like, I would kill yeah. my kid. I would kill Yeah, him. dude. Like,
0: you know Mrs. Weasley. has just got, like, the best patience yeah. in the entire history of time. Because those kids, man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: fun, fun fact about Fred and George. Their names, they're named Fred and George, F and G. Uh, Molly's brothers were named Fabian and Gideon Pruitt. They were part of the uh, First Order of the Phoenix during the First Wizarding War. They're referenced oh, by Mad-Eye Moody when he's showing Harry the picture of the original order. Um, oh, that's right. And it's he's, he talks about them and says they fought like lions and it took six Death Eaters to take them down and they did die. But when Damn. you find that out, it brings so much more weight to Molly yeah. being scared of her family getting involved with the order again because she lost her brothers last time. So yeah. she can only imagine. And they were gifted wizards that, you know, f- went down fighting. But she can only imagine what's going to happen to her kids and things like that. So I, I, But that's the interesting orig- origin – sorry, words are hard. Um, uh, the, uh, uh. the interesting origin of the the Fred and George, at least the F and the G for, for those names.
0: Because the the Weasleys named even Ron's middle name Billius is is that Molly's brother or is that um, Arthur's brother?
1: Uh, they only they always call him Uncle Billius, but I don't. I think he's a Weasley. Oh, okay. So I think it's okay. It's either their. I think it's their great uncle. So I think it's Arthur's uncle. Because they talk. They talk. About, I think he was Myrtle's husband. If you remember their aunt Myrtle. Oh, so I yeah. think that it was her husband. Because they talk about how. If if he was still with us and all this stuff, and he's like, they're like, and they reference how Myrtle would have tried to get him to stay quiet or whatever. But so I think, oh yeah, I think right. that's the relation there. Um, I, I hopefully we don't end on this sad note, but I want to talk about the least favorite, either adaptation, least favorite moment, least favorite line, whatever it is that when you watch this movie just doesn't click with you, doesn't mesh, whatever it is. I'll start it off. For me. Dean Thomas really bothers me the way they handle them.
0: This, Wait, in, the, for, movie yeah, in or the movie? like in the movie. Oh, okay.
1: And I I was going to talk about Peeves, but Dan brought that up, and I, I'll let him talk about that a little bit more if he wants to. But the character of Dean Thomas, uh, he is, for all intents and purposes, a muggle-born. His mom's a muggle. He has no idea who his dad is. But he was raised in the muggle world. He's a soccer fan. There's huge moments in the book talking about how he put up these soccer posters and like Seamus and Ron make fun of him. They're like, they don't even move around. Like, what are you doing? But in the movie, he looks over at Neville. When Neville gets his remember all, he goes, Neville called himself a remember all. Like, dude, you wouldn't know what that is. (laughs) You would have no idea. Like, what are you doing? sit down like what are you like I was so That's irritated so I was I so mad <laughs> I, was, I was so heated and I was I was watching it with my wife and my wife's like you really need to calm down about this Dean Thomas thing I'm like no this is important because for me Dean and a lot of the students are way bigger characters in the book in all the books because they have she had more time to go into it than the movies had with a lot of those characters which I totally get right but Dean is a huge wrench in the plans of Harry trying to do some stuff romantically that goes on later. He ends up being part of the Quidditch mm-hmm. team at one point. He's always been Seamus' his best friend, and he's been someone that Harry can trust for a long time. And he becomes important in the seventh book as well. And I, he was just—I've always liked Dean and Seamus. And I think they did Seamus really, really well with the first book. Basically, all I did was blow himself up constantly. But, right. <laughs> uh, but Dean, I, I for me, mishandled. And that's okay. I'm being nitpicky. But when you love something as much as I do, like Harry Potter, I guess you have to be nitpicky. So,
0: That's true. That's true.
1: Daniel-san.
2: Uh, it's hard to to decide. um I was thinking about one and I think the part that has always bothered me the most and it's more prevalent in the book than it is in the movie, but it's when Hagrid takes Harry to King's cross station and he's like, okay, here are your tickets. Good luck. And like, he doesn't tell him anything. Like, would it be that hard (laughs) just to say like, Oh, just walk into that pillar just do that (laughs) right in between there. Just do that. It's totally fine. And like Harry was thinking he was like on, he was getting pranked or something. Like he was like, (laughs) Oh man, this isn't true. And like, it's so like,
0: like, yeah, like,
2: and I get that that's like Harry Potter Hagrid's like character is like, he's kind of forgetful sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I've heard a theory about that, about why he's forgetful. We'll talk, I'll talk about that a different, um, episode but it Please just it just bothers head. me so much that like that's just common sense like Hagrid knows better than anyone Harry was raised by Muggles because he dropped him off at the Muggle's place <laughs> yeah. he knows that there's no way Harry's going to in any world anyone ever would just be like you know what I bet if I run into this solid looking <laughs> brick pillar I'll find the train I'm looking for like it's just, it's just so funny. I mean, without it, he never would have met Ron. And so it's necessary, Right.
1: But, it's a plot mechanic, yeah. but to yeah. go along with what you said about Harry Hagrid should have known because of how he dropped off Harry at the, at the Dursleys. Why is Hagrid surprised that Harry doesn't know who he is?
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: why, yeah. How can you be? You literally had a whole conversation with McGonagall and Dumbledore about how these are the worst Muggles imaginable. Why on earth would you think they'd just be like, "Hey, you're a wizard, bro"? Like, no, like his his complete and utter shock. I I never. It's like he on.
0: also just like knocks down that door. It's like, dude, you can knock. You know that I think is was a
1: trying to Logan. Gosh.
0: He's just pretty swollen. really hard. He's just just like, knock, (laughs)
2: oops.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Logan, please. All right. This one actually came up, and it's been bothering me a lot lately. um, Because I read, or I listened to the uh, first book, like, I think it was like a month ago. Um, But Neville's involvement is not how it should be in the movies mm-hmm. and that drives me crazy because neville i mean like dan and also you brian you both pointed out it like neville's like really important he's a really important character in the whole story the whole series of harry potter yep. um and i get like you know in movies you don't have as much time to tell certain stories and stuff like that but with how important neville is especially even in the first book you know, the stuff he does in the first book really is, it's super important to how the story moves in that book. And so that always bothered me because they kind of, there's like, uh, specifically the one scene that bothers me most in the movie that has to do with Neville. Well, technically it doesn't have anything to do with Neville is the uh, dark forest scene mm-hmm. when they get detention and they have to go into the dark forest. Mm-hmm. And the, they're just like, oh, we'll just throw Ron in there. And it's like, what? No, like, he didn't go. Like, in the book, it's specifically not Ron. It's Neville, Hermione, Draco, and Harry. They gloss over and, that
1: whole sequence with the dragon, and they get rid of it so fast. Yeah. But Ron gets bit, which is why he's in the hospital wing, which is why Neville <laughs> right. was there, which is why he goes to yeah. detention.
0: Like- and and then also, like, uh, the, the Dark Forest scene alone, you know, what happens in the Dark Forest is super important. Yeah. That's a pretty big moment for harry um and i think you know you could say like well, then it doesn't really matter you know neville doesn't play a huge part in that scene but at the same time you know it plays a part in the next movie or book and like you know they mention like oh ron's never been into the dark forest so like going into the the spiders about later like that would have been way more terrifying for him like he's already scared of spiders, but then he has to go into the Dark Forest for the first time. Which he's time. never done, yeah. But yeah, but in the movies it's like, oh well he's been in there before. I mean, it's still scary, but you know, a little less scary. Hmm. But I mean, I just I just find like Neville's involvement in in all the movies was not portrayed well. And um like Neville's not one of my favorite characters. I think he's he's kinda like the Samwise Gamgee of harry potter you know technically i would say in some way neville's the hero of the whole series um i don't know personally and um that's what sam is but he's just kind of a background character i mean sam's less of a background character but that's lord of the rings um but yeah i just neville's a cool character he's got a cool story a cool background a cool connection with harry Mm -hmm. um with the whole prophecy thing and I just felt like they didn't cut him any slack in the movies. And yeah. um I, I would have the to Actor root. grew up to be way more handsome. You know, he was a really handsome guy. More handsome yeah. than me, that's for sure. Yeah. I yeah. Well, but yeah, that's that's my moment cuz that one just bothered me.
1: I I could sit here and nitpick so many different things, you know, that Yeah. Uh, right. I the whole the whole thing that Charlie Weasley isn't even in any of the movies bothers me. Uh, right. that it says that Harry's dad was a seeker when he was a chaser on the Quidditch team bothers me. There, like, I there's, didn't even realize There's that. so many things that are just little nitpicky things. You're like, come on, come on. But I get it, because are yeah. plot devices and things like that, and when you only have an hour and a half, you've to focus on certain things. At the right. end of the day, I love this movie. It grew to be an impactful movie for me, and every time I watch it, I fall back in love with Harry Potter. I can watch any of them and have a good time. But when I watch The Sorcerer's Stone again, it brings me back in completely. From from not knowing about the magical world to back into it. And I wish if, the, if there was a moment that I could go and wipe my mind and live again, it'd be anything to do with Harry Potter. Just to experience it again for the first time. I think would just be fantastic. So I, I think this was... A great dive in, guys. Do you guys have any more parting shots before we sign off on this one? No,
0: I have Potter's awesome.
1: It's great. I have one. Okay, go ahead.
2: So this is another theory. It's really short. Spoiler alert, naturally. Naturally. Um, So we know the (laughs) prophecy about Harry, Voldemort, whatever, ambiguous. You knew it dealt with Voldemort, but you weren't sure if it dealt with Harry or Neville, right? Sure. Right. And so one of the first scenes... Actually, it's probably not the first thing with Neville. One of the first scenes in the movie that you remember with Neville is when he hops on his broom, starts flying away, and he loses control and he slams into the ground super hard, breaks his arm, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Wrist.
2: And um, I was reading up on this, and the same thing happens later in the book to Harry. Professor Quirrell, you know, Voldemort makes Professor Quirrell use his magic to attack Harry on the broom, try to get him thrown off and killed. And so the theory is that Professor Quirrell is the reason that Neville crashed his broom, because he was trying to kill him just so Voldemort could cover all of his bases.
1: Mm. Interesting.
0: Interesting.
1: Well, that makes Quirrell pretty much the worst villain ever.
0: He is the worst villain.
1: Did you know he's a Ravenclaw? He's the only villain Ravenclaw in the continuity of Harry Potter. Do you know he's a really? loser? Yeah. I
0: did know that, yeah. He's a failure.
1: <laughs> you never see like even in the books, they don't even go into defense against the dark arts. It's kinda weird.
0: No. So. They just like have this weird like in the movies when uh, McGonagall goes goes to get Oliver Wood from yeah. that class and, it's and like, not um, the right you just class. hear like that you hear like that dinosaur sound in the yeah. background and you're like, What are they studying? He's only he has like glana. a lizard. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, gentlemen I enjoyed the topic, I enjoyed the back and forth, I think we covered some interesting theories, we talked about the, the highs and lows of this movie, and I'm excited for the series to come. Uh, for those listeners, do look for the next episodes, it'll be fun, we're going to go into every single book and movie like we said before, so if there's one in particular that you really like, just tune in and hopefully we cover the topic you want to hear about. Uh, but if nothing else, gentlemen, I think we're going to sign off.
0: Yep. Just check it. Check us out on Spotify. We're also on YouTube, um, and then also on the site Anchor. Uh, that's a good one. Um, and then uh, right now we're working on getting it onto Apple Podcasts, so you can check us out on there. It's but a suggestions are always welcome as well. So if you have suggestions on how to be better, um, how we can improve, how what things to talk about, anything like that, throw it in. Probably the best places right now is a YouTube. Uh, comment on the uh, on the video. That would really be helpful.
1: All right. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Council of Nerds.